Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. So you can open your iPads, iPhones, tablets, Fire, Samsung, whatever you have that you use for the Bible. And you may even have a, an old Bible like mine that has actual pages in it. Praise God. You know, if you have that one, we want to open that one up too. So we're going to start reading at Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And then I need you to put your finger there. And we're going to turn right and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to read a few verses there as well. Romans chapter 1, verse 31, when you get get there, say, I have it. If you need more time, say, wait. All right. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. For the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Um, that, That is a great scripture right there, isn't it? I think uh, the King James says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Um, When you understand that God is for you, you should understand that whatever God has placed into your heart, you can accomplish it. Now, that does not mean that everybody around you is going to see what God has for you to do. Not everybody is going to be for you. Hello, somebody. So you must be persuaded that what God has said unto your spirit, that that's exactly what you're going to do. So that should not be contingent on who's with or without you. Verse 32 says, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So if God was willing to give up Jesus for us, (laughs) why wouldn't he give you what you're praying for? He gave up already the most precious thing to him was his son. So if he gave up the most precious thing already for us, why wouldn't he give you a job or a home or something as minute as a car? But we have the propensity to quote the scripture, there's nothing too hard for God, but then we go home and cry because God hadn't given you what you've been praying for. Well, obviously, you didn't have the patience to wait for it because maybe you didn't need it then. Just a thought. We're just talking here, right? Hello? But we have to wait for God to give us what we need when we need it. And maybe the reason he didn't give it to you is he's trying to show you what you need to do when you don't have it. Maybe. We're just talking. Conversation. Could be. Possibly. Okay. Verse 33 says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's us. And, and is God who justifies? He, I'm sorry, who is he who condemns? 
It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So we see what Jesus is right now, making intercession for the saints. That's us. 35 says, who? Somebody say who? Somebody say who? Somebody say who? Who shall separate us from the love of God? I think the woman of God was sharing this this morning. And then he goes on to say, uh, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And last uh, two Sundays ago, I told you that to be called sheep is not a term of endearment. Because <laughs> sheep are very dumb animals. So when Christians are called sheep, that's not a good thing because sheep can't do anything without a shepherd. I'm talking about in the natural, but also spiritually. Hello. So that's why you need the right shepherd. Okay, I got one good amen and an uh-huh. All right, let's turn to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, chapter 6. So we read over there in Romans chapter 8 where Apostle Paul was teaching. He said, who shall separate us from the love of God? And then he began to give us some key elements of what can separate us from the love of God, right? Now Apostle Paul comes to the church of Corinth, and he says something else about the word separate that I believe is vitally important to us today over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Are you there? I'm not going to read all of that because it's just too much. So we're going to start at verse 16. It says, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Come on, put your hand on your heart and say, I am the temple of the living God. That means that you are the church. The church is not the four walls. This is just a building that has the name of a church on it. But you are the church. Without you in here, this is nothing more than an empty building. The Spirit of God is not here until a Christian shows up. Hello, somebody. God does not inhabit inanimate objects. He inhabits his people. And more so is amplified when we praise him. So the Spirit of the Lord is here because you got here. And then it goes on to say, as God has said, I will dwell in them. I will dwell in them. This is New Testament because in the Old Testament, he was upon them. But because of the death of Jesus Christ, now the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And he said, I will walk among them. So he's not only in us, he's around us. Mm, glory to God. So Allah, you can't get this from Allah. Only Elohim. So God says, I'm not only going to be in you, I'm going to be around you, and I will be your God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, therefore, because God is in us and around us, he's our God, we are his people. Therefore, the word therefore means that whatever's getting ready to come next means it's going to tie in what we just talked about. So therefore, come out from among them and be separate says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you right now knowing that this is your word. These are your people. This is your house. I am your friend. Show me what to speak into the hearts of your people today. Let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer to write on the hearts of this here, your people. May your people be encouraged today. May they be motivated today. May they be ready to move out into the next level of their destiny. 
Lord, I pray that no matter what they have gone through, even to get here this morning, that when they walk out of this building, they will feel refreshed. Hallelujah. By your spirit. And we will be very careful to give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. Say this with me. Separate, separate. but not separated. Not separated. Separate, separate, but not separated. So we read a couple of scriptures there. So I want to start off in 2 Corinthians because Apostle Paul was writing to the church of Corinth to address some issues of ethics and integrity and character. And Apostle Paul, if you read from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 from the beginning in verse 1, Apostle Paul was actually talking about living a holy life. Because if you live a holy life, then your ethics would be good, your character would be good, and your integrity would be good. But then if you go outside of operating in holiness, then all of that comes into question. Hello. So Paul was not addressing unbelievers. He was not addressing people outside of the church. So we have to make sure first that we understand that. Paul was talking to Christians. He was talking to Christians who, although they said they were Christians, but their actions, behaviors, and attitudes was just like the world. So Apostle Paul says the way you remedy that is by being separate, but not separated. So the word, the Greek word for the word separate here in that particular verse, because it's another Greek word in another verse, is avarizo, avarizo. And this is what that word means. It means to set apart for a purpose. So when Paul says, come out from among them, the first question you got to ask yourself, well, who's the them? The them, if you don't watch it, saints of God, you will begin to throw in what you think the them is. So let me just teach for a moment. Because the them that Apostle Paul is talking about are the Christians who say that they're Christian, but they don't act like they're Christians. So Paul says, come out from among them. <laughs> That's why it's good to have proper Bible study. He said, come out from among those who, who say that they, they have God, but they don't act like they got God. He said, come out from among them and be separate. That means to be set apart. He didn't say that you're not supposed to co-mingle with them. Hello? He said, be separate, which means to be set apart. And to be set apart, you understand that God has called you to holiness. To be set apart means I can't get into any kind of racial jokes. To be set apart means that I'm not going to get in any kind of gender jokes and gender biases. To be set apart means that I'm not going to allow my friends to pull me into a conversation that's not godly. To be set apart means that I can't just go do what I used to do before I got saved. I can't be tripping in the clubs. With the deacons. <laughs> to be set apart means that you must have a relationship with Jesus Christ to the point where you know that if you even think a bad thought, if you even go to the wrong place, the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh-uh. And even when somebody calls you on the phone from your past, Holy Spirit said, don't do it. Don't let them pull you back. Somebody say, I'm not going back. Haven't you been through too much hell to go back? Come on, come on, let's just stop. Let me put a tack here for a second. Haven't you just been through so much stuff just to stay safe? Man, I'm not letting anybody take me back. I have gone through too much. 
I have forgiven too many people, <laughs> glory to God, that I wanted to slap. Man, that's just too much. I'm not going back because then I got to go back and do all that stuff over. No, 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 no. I've gone through too much to give up now. Let me tell you something, saints. You have come too far to allow your soul or the enemy to pull you back. Don't you think you have? Come on, all the hell we're going through right now? Everything that we're going through right now, it's not easy. It's tough, isn't it? It make you cry at night when nobody's looking. Come on now, let me, can I get real for a second? Because, see, I've been there. I've been in the bed crying to where the tears out of this eye roll into the next one. See, I've been there, so it's not like everything is just hunky door in my life. I've been there. I've wept when I didn't understand. I was confused and didn't know what God was doing. I've, I've wept over those nights. I've been there where you've been, saints of God. So since I have been there, I have gone through it, but I also have seen God bring me out of it. And if he brought me out, he can bring you out too. So Apostle Paul is addressing us as Christians so that he can say, listen, listen, don't allow anything, anything to take you away from what God has for you. Even if some Christians are pulling you back. <laughs> Hello, I know that's hard. I know it's hard to say that. It's hard probably to swallow that pill. I know it. But there are some people, because I don't tell people I'm a pastor. I invite, when I invite people to this church, I say, they got a great pastor. They say, you know him? I say, yep, I know him pretty good. <laughs> I think you're going to like him. I know him pretty good. He's a good guy, has a great wife. Yeah, and they're easy to get along with, easy to get to know most of the, most of the time. <laughs> Praise God. Tim is looking at me like, not all the time. You ain't easy to get along with. <laughs> Praise God. He can do that because I give him grief all the time. And so, but listen, isn't that sometimes when you're around, um, can, can we be real? Can I? Okay. Since I got the mic, I'm going to go ahead and be real. Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever, have you ever been around somebody who said that they were Christian? But when, when you got around them, it was like they were cussing all the time, talking bad about, about their manager and everything around this place and broke. You know, I can't believe we up in this place like this. Now, you do know you can leave, right? You do know you don't have to stay at a job that you don't like. You, you, you do know that, right? It's easy. Walk out. Problem solved. And then your prayer life is going to change. Because <laughs> when that next job is delayed, it changes your prayer life. And everybody around, you change your friends. <laughs> Girl, I ain't got time to be worried about this mess right now. I need a job. <laughs> you talking about nonsense. I don't care nothing about that. <laughs> okay, y'all won't let me get real today, I see, huh? So we're to be separate but not separated. So let's go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. There's something very specific that I want to talk about today. And let's go back to verse 31. You, you, let's go back. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Can somebody read that uh, uh, that, 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 that first word. Uh, wait a minute, I'm sorry, verse 35, verse 35. Can somebody read that first word for me? Who? Somebody say who? Somebody say who? Now notice, notice when, when Apostle Paul was, was addressing 
the, the Christians in, in, in Rome, he says, who can separate you from the love of God? Really jumped out at me was he didn't say what. He didn't say what. See, now, now you got to understand that Apostle Paul was not schizophrenic. When he said something, he said it for a reason. See, Apostle Paul was like the master lawyer. Apostle Paul knew how to, to, to state his case when it came to the gospel message. He was skillful. He was articulate. And he used words very specifically for a specific situation. So when Apostle Paul was saying that we should live a holy life, because prior to this reading, you will read where it says that we, we should be holy and that there are certain things that, that God has already given us i.e. Jesus has already died for us. I'm just trying to break it down from verse 1 all the way to where we are. That Jesus Christ has already died for us. That Jesus is at the right hand of power right now ever making intercession for us. And that God not only called us, he justified us, and he glorified us. See, these are all of the points that Apostle Paul addressed before he got to this part. And then he said, who shall separate you from the love of God? But notice, Apostle Paul did not say what? <laughs> because the separation can come not as the result of outside stimuli. It does not come because of a circumstance or a situation, but it comes as the result of another person. He said, who shall separate you from the love of God? That's one key. Do you have anybody in your life right now that's separating you from the love of God? Now, now, let me, let me just go ahead and make sure that I have sound doctrine here so you can understand something. God's love is always extended to us. But we, if we don't watch it, can be separated from his love. But a better statement would be we would be separated from God. So can I give you another scripture here? Okay, so write this scripture down. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. It says, he was speaking to the children of Israel. He made a profound statement. He said, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you. So in other words, your sin, actions, attitude, and habits can separate you from God, although his love is always there. So then you got to ask yourself, well, who is the person in my life that's pulling me away from the spirit of God? It may not be anyone right now. That person is coming, though. Because you go through seasons. Every now and again, you got to check your companions. You remember when I gave you the word watch, watch, W-A-T-C-H, watch, watch your words, A, actions, watch T, thoughts, watch C, companions, and, and H, habits, watch. You got to watch your companions sometimes, too. Those that are close to you can pull you away from God if you don't, if you don't watch it. Why? Because they're close to you. They know your hot buttons. See, can't nobody get me in an attitude like her and vice versa because, well, I know her buttons. And she know my buttons. I know not to push it, but I do it anyway. Why? Because in the heat of the moment, what you do? You push buttons. Am I talking to myself right now? Y'all act like I got somebody in the church. Praise God. 
All right, all right, am I the only one or y'all push buttons too? All right, we're good button pushers. All right? He pushes buttons. Uh, oh, he pu- <laughs> Just pushing buttons. Just <laughs> right, we, we know. Because, see, can't nobody hurt you like those that are close to you. Right? That, that's why you hear people say words like, ain't no hurt like church hurt. But I just believe hurt is hurt. I don't care if you're in church or not in church. Hurt is hurt. Hello? But the reason they say that is because the people in the church shouldn't be hurting each other. We should be loving each other, lifting each other up, and encouraging each other because we all got problems. Amen. Including the one speaking unto thee. I got issues. <laughs> See, when I go to God, I, I go to God with my issues. I got a lot of them. I'm like, God, you know, can you, can you like, handle that? You know that, that person in the church? Can you, like, handle them? <laughs> See, y'all thought I was talking about my issues. I was talking about y'all issues in the church. See, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I got my own personal stuff, but I do go to God about y'all sometimes. I ain't lying. I'm like, Lord, I'm like Moses. I'm like, Lord, you did. That's your people. <laughs> y'all be ready to stone me. So, so listen, so l- l- let me go back a little bit. One of the things that you must understand, those saints of God, before I go to the second key, because the first key is you got to watch your companions, watch the people that are around you. But before I do that, there's some, I need to make sure that we have a good understanding about something, that just because we are Christians, it doesn't mean that we're not going to go through stuff. Okay? I, I need to make that crystal clear. Uh, that you're not exempt. You're not exempt. Ever since we heard those first four words, in the beginning, God, man, has been going through a lot. Right? Job says this, Job 5, 7. I saw this in the book of Job. I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. It said, people are born for trouble. (laughs) 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 And then he goes on to say, as predictably as sparks fly upward from a fire. So in other words, if you see a nice fire in, in, you know, you're out camping and you have a nice fire, you know those sparks that go up? You know they're going to go up, right? So Apostle Paul says, just like those sparks are going up, you're going to have some problems. In other words, he says, Job says, it's inevitable. As long as you live, you're going to have problems. Why? Because there was something that happened between verse 1 and verse 2 in the book of Genesis. Uh, We read about it in the book of Revelation. Something happened in heaven. There was a fight in heaven, and and somebody who was the anointed cherub was kicked down to the earth. Hello. We know him as Diabolos, the devil, or Satanus, Satan. Some people call him that old serpent or the dragon. Hello. And so since he corrupted the earth, then man, after he ate of the forbidden fruit, There was something that was said. He said, the ground is cursed. And by the sweat of your brow, you shall till the land. So ever since, but see, I don't know who you guys want to talk to when you get to heaven. But I will wait in a long line just so I can talk to Adam. (laughs) Now, there's no fighting in heaven. But I do need to have a little discussion with Adam because he messed it up for all of us, right? So after that, man, you're going to go through issues. You're going to go through problems. And just because you say a little prayer, Jesus coming to my heart, and boom, I feel good. I feel so spiritual. I feel lightheaded. The birds are singing. The trees just look different. And then the next day, the trees look burned up, and the birds are looking at you like, who are you? (laughs) Because, wow, you're not going to be on that that mountain all the time in your Christian walk. So, so, so since we know that we got trouble coming, 
is there something that we should be doing? Does the Bible tells us, does it tell us about certain things that we need to be on the, be on the lookout for? And it does. But let, before we do that, go to Job 14 and 1. It says, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Full of trouble. But even in all of that, the Bible also declares that we're more than conquerors. Right? Even though we have to go through things, we are more than conquerors. So the problem is not what we go through, but how we go through it, right? So who? So I'm going to get back to my keys. So the first one is who. You got to make sure you check your companions. I got a great scripture I want to read you. Can I read it to you? Write this down. It's Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. This is a powerful scripture. And I'm going to go ahead and read it while you turn there. You can write it down in your notes. It says, oh, foolish North Carolinians. Galatians, Galatians, Galatians. But you can insert anything you want. He said, oh, foolish Galatians, who, somebody say who? Who, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Again, the bewitching in some translations says, who, have cast, who has cast a spell on you? Come on now. So, in other words, the bewitching is not the result of what's happening, it's the result of a person that's in your life. So, people can pull you away from the truth. Y'all didn't like that one too much. Is that all right? Y'all, you're thinking, you're processing. Because you're probably thinking about that person that you know you need to talk to. And say, you know, I, me and you, we cool, but I can't be hanging out with you anymore. There, there are scores of relationships that people get involved in. And those relationships are not healthy. Now, make me look at you like my granddad. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So you can talk with people, uh, especially if you go to the, the, the women's shelter, um, Turning Point, right here in Monroe. That's an abusive shelter for people who've been going through domestic violence. And you will find that a lot of times those women tend to go back. You can give them sound counsel. You can pray with them. You can get their kids whatever they need. But because they have been beat down for so long, that person who has bewitched them to make them believe they cannot do any better. That is called a soul tie because they're tied up in their souls to where they don't even believe the God in them anymore. They believe the voice of that other person. And what they have done, they have made that other person God and that other person is an idol to them. And God says that nobody can come before him. Is this making sense at all? That can separate you from God's love. The second key, Paul says, shall tribulation. Write this down. Never let what you're going through deter you from serving God. Never let what you're going through deter you from serving God. That is easy to do, isn't it? When you're going through stuff, man, you just, you just, ugh. man, what, what use is it going to church? Why well, I got to read the word? I'm sick of reading the Bible. Praying all the time, ain't nothing happening. Wasting my time. Come on. Anybody else been there? Oh, you guys are just so holy. Oh, you've been there. Oh, by a show of hands, who've been there? Oh, 
Jesus, I thought I was the only one in the house. I was going to say it's bad when the pastor is the only one. <laughs> the pastor is the only one having issues. Then <laughs> I need to sit down and y'all minister to me. <laughs> so John chapter 16, verse 33, the B clause says, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Saints of God, there are bad things going to happen to you even though you do good things. There's a question that was asked, why do bad things happen to good people? Because you're just people. Bad things happen to everybody. Now, see, we have the propensity to think that people who are not living right are always blessed. We don't we do that? We say, man, I've been, I've been giving, I've been going to church, I've been fasting, I've been praying, but it seems like these old folks that's in here cussing all the time, and it seems like they just got it going on. They always getting the promotion, and they got the house, they got the boat, they got the car, and they got the bills, saints of God. You better know they got to pay for that stuff. That's why they're workaholics. <laughs> they got to be, <laughs> praise God. And I'm going to the house. I don't want their life. I got mine. Amen. So make sure you may not, you may, it may not seem that you have it going on like they do. But listen, the world's idea of success is not God's. Because you can't take any of that stuff with you. But see, the Bible says, lay up. Stuff in heaven, not on the earth. So forgiving somebody and being a blessing to somebody and not accumulating things on the earth, you could be laying up a destiny in heaven for yourself. For the Bible says that he's got some crowns that we will be able to wear and there will be certain jewels on your crown because of what you've done on the earth. And some people think we're going to have houses in heaven, mansions. Ain't going to be no mansions in heaven. I'm telling y'all right now, let me just tear that little theology up. Ain't no, what you going to need a house for? I heard some preachers say, well, you know, what you do on the earth is going to determine what kind of house you got. Well, somebody going to be mad because they're going to have a little hut. God ain't having all that mess in heaven. You know what the house is? You. We're the house that God is building. So whatever house you're building in this house is going to determine what house you live in in that house. Ain't no houses in heaven. I know that scripture y'all talk about. Well, there's a mansion in heaven. You heard them old folks say, they said, man, I got a mansion in heaven. You ain't going to have no mansion. Ain't no mansions in heaven. You can read the book of Revelation. There is not one word about houses in heaven. Not one. So therefore, there will be no houses in heaven. Now, y'all can go ahead and stone me if you want to. And you're going to find out. You got to make sure you live right so you can see. But listen, listen, wouldn't that be crazy, right? You're married, right? You, come on, you're married. You get to heaven. <laughs> you, you walk into your house, you know, you're the wife. And it's like, wow, it's like, man, look how big this house is. This is great, God, because I was living for the Lord. This is awesome. And so the husband turns. <laughs> it's a little grass hut with no door or windows. And he's looking at his hut. And he's looking at your house. And he's going, man, I should have lived right on the earth, right? But then there's going to be some jealousy and some anger. God ain't having that. Listen, 
let me just put it to you this way. If you want something nice in heaven, you need to live right on the earth. And whatever you need in heaven, you better put it in here right now. Because what's already in your spirit is what's going to be in heaven. To be absent from the body, boom, present with the Lord. You won't have time to change. Well, when I'm almost ready to die, I'll serve the Lord. Well, what if you die instantly? Ain't no time to say a prayer. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, boom, you did. <laughs> you didn't get it out. <laughs> and just because that preacher said they in a better place, don't make it so. Can I help somebody today? That's why I don't just do funerals. I got to know for sure. Are you sure they were saved? Because I am not getting in the pulpit talking about they're in a better place if they're not. I'm not lying to people. I'm not going to sit there and lie. If they know they've been living a foul lifestyle, no. I ain't going to get up there and talk about they're in a better place. They ain't in no better place. Okay, now y'all don't love me anymore. Do you? you better make sure who you got doing your funeral. <laughs> Because I ain't interested in a person that died. I'm interested in one that's living. I can't help the person that's dead. But those that are living, I got an opportunity to say, hey, you, you, what, what is your life going to be like when you're laying here? Send me flowers now. I can't see them when I'm gone. Number three, shall distress. Distress means unhappiness or pain. So your, dispos your disposition should never be the catalyst that separates you from the love of God. Okay, what I mean by that is we all go through moments of depression, every one of us, men too. Men are more horrible at depression than women. I think women handle it better than men because we just don't know how to handle depression. And, and then we don't know. You just lose your job. Men just, just go boop. They go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> you, let a brother, you let a man lose his job and that is delayed to where you get another job, that brother will mope. <laughs> You, you, you've been at work all day. You come home, house dirty. <laughs> what you been doing? Nothing. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Ain't nothing wrong with me. What's wrong with you? <laughs> get off. <laughs> get off. <laughs> they get all short with you. Why? Because we don't know how to handle that, right? Because, see, we, we want to work. Men want to do stuff with our hands. We want to we fix stuff. That's why when I'm talking to my wife, I had to know, do you want me to fix it or you just want me to listen? Yeah. Because, see, if you want me to listen, then I'm just going to listen. But if you want me to fix it, while you talking? I'm thinking about how to fix it. <laughs> right. I ain't listening. I'm trying to fix it. <laughs> so that's why I have to know, is this a fixer or a listening conversation? Come on, guys. I'm helping somebody in your relationship. Because men like fixing stuff. We break stuff, but we like fixing stuff. And so if you're going to have a conversation with your, with your wife, you, you just say, honey, now do, do you want me to do something about this? Or you just want me to listen to this? Because if you want me to listen, I'm going to listen. But if you want me to fix it, I'm going I'm to fix it. <laughs> I'm going to call her right now. Who said that to you? What? <laughs> well, baby, let me give you the, oh, the rest of the conversation. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to fix it, right? Hey, come on, can I get an amen from the fellas? We just like fixing stuff. So, ladies, if you're having that conversation, just, you know, let your man know, you know, baby, I'm not, I'm not, it's before we start, let me just lay this out. I just want to tell you about this. I don't need you to do anything about it. Ladies, can I, is that good, ladies? Oh, so, so make sure when you have that conversation with your men, just say, hey, look, brother, now, I'm going to tell you this, but I just need you to listen. And that brother knows, oh, okay. 
and he will listen. We're good listeners, but you've got to lead us into it. <laughs> right, fellas? We need to be led, but we just don't want them to know. So you're leading your man by saying, okay, honey, but I'm going to need you to do something about this, but I need you to listen to what I ha have to say first, right? But I'm going to need you to do something about it. That brother knows, okay, then after this, well, I'm going to fix this. Uh, right? Help you out, fellas? fellas? Did it help you out? Yes. Praise God. Okay, ladies, you got it? Yes. Got it? Okay, praise God. All right, and for those of you that don't have a man right now, just, just put that in your tool chest. You got it? Put it in your tool chest. And just like any tool, sometimes you don't need it. it just, it's in your toolbox. But just know you got it in your toolbox, right? Because every tool don't work on every situation. But it wouldn't be good if you need a tool and you go to your toolbox and you don't have it. Stuff just going to be broke. Distress. That's also health issues. Do you not know that a health issue can pull you away from God? So can I help you out again on some bad doctrine? People saying that God gave me cancer. God gave me lupus. God, gave, God did not give you that. Can I help you? God does not have to give you a disease to teach you a lesson. He's God. He can teach you a lesson just by teaching you a lesson. <laughs> He's God. He doesn't have to give you some type of disease to make you humble. He will just make you humble. God did not give me cancer. I got cancer because of bad eating habits. And not doing what I was supposed to do. He didn't give it to me, but he took it away from me. See, you got to understand the scriptures in the context and what it was written. And you got to stop listening to some of this stuff that you hear on TV and all this other stuff. God is not trying to teach you a lesson just because you get sick. He don't have to do that. He's God. The Bible said Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Ghost and he went about doing good healing all who were oppressed, listen to the words, by the devil. The oppression comes from the devil, not God. God is a healer, not an oppressor. You better, you better make sure you solidify that in your own mind. Otherwise, you'll be laid up thinking you got something that God didn't give you, and you die because you think God gave it to you. But your disposition can determine if you get healed or not. Science has already proven that. That people who have a better attitude, they recover better from sickness. Well, the Bible has already been teaching us that already. So we already knew that what the scientists are just now catching up because we knew that 2,000 years ago. <laughs> so science is just now catching up. Is this making sense at all? God didn't give you that disease. I hope I'm helping you. He can take it away from you. But there are some practical things that you need to do yourself. Don't just sit back and pray for God to heal you and you don't change your eating habits. You still eat the same stuff. You still got the same sugar going in, the same meat going in, the same processed food that got you sick in the first place. We don't know what's in that stuff. You know, 20 years ago, we ain't heard, heard nothing about no ADD. There was no ADD. Now all our kids got ADD. And they just want to put kids on medication. You better not put your child on that stuff. You don't know the long-term effects of that stuff. That's why we got so much cancer and disease today. Hello, somebody. I'm trying to help you. So this is the practical part of the message. There's some things you must do too, amen? 
I said, there's some things you must do too. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Shall persecution? Public persecution of Christians is at an all-time high right now. You know that, right? You just say Jesus on your job. And, and watch how loving people are. <laughs> Jesus, save me. Jesus? Who is Jesus? <laughs> See, people, people have gotten real radical now against Christianity. Yeah, they're, they're call HR on you, even though HR is the one sending out all of that LGBT stuff. Yeah, I said that. Yeah, I don't mind. I'll tell you the truth. It's okay. I talk about it, and I stand as a man of God no matter where I am. Because I figure, you know, you don't have to ask me any questions. I'm going to just tell you the truth. But if you're going to ask me questions, then I'm going to tell you the truth. If you can't handle the truth, then stop asking me questions. <laughs> Amen? So people, when they come to you, you're supposed to be a Christian, right? You're supposed to adhere to biblical standards. Hello, hello, somebody. Hello, right? So just, just because culture says it's okay, we, we, don't, we need to evolve in our thinking, right? Does the word change? Did God say he changes? He said, I change not, right? So if God doesn't change, and if God doesn't change, his word doesn't change. So if that does not change, why are the churches changing? Just, it's just a question, that's all I'm just saying. And why are the preachers capitulating to what the culture wants and not teaching the truth? Because when you capitulate to the culture, your church might be full of people who go to hell. Because the truth, according to Jesus, in John chapter 8, verse 32, the truth is the only thing that sets people free. Therefore, the lie keeps people bound. And what is a lie? Anything that's not truth. There is no such thing as a half truth. That's like being a little pregnant. You'll think about that when going home. I know it. Right, Bree? Bree said, I ain't a little pregnant. Ain't she came waddling in here. I said, that girl, water going to break. Boy, in church, I'll be boiling water. Why? I don't know why we boil water when people are pregnant. I don't know. <laughs> Share famine or nakedness. That's number five, famine or nakedness. We know what this one is. Saints, don't allow what you don't have to take you away from God. Because, see, we can allow a certain situation, especially let's go to finances. You know, you're hurting. You need to pay your bills. Things are late. You know, you got that phone ringing that you don't answer, and you teach, you teach your kids, <laughs> don't answer that phone. <laughs> you look at who it is, Lord. Right? You know, my mama said not to talk to you. You know, kids are just, <laughs> they just, but listen, here, here's a better way to do that. You can't pay your bill. Why don't you call them first? That's what we did. I mean, we, we, we hit some hard times. So we would call them and say, hey, look, bro, we, we, you can't get blood out of a turnip. Now, that's, that's something my, my daddy would say, so I need to explain that. I'm sorry. I'm from Alabama. You can't get blood from a turnip, which means there is no blood in, in turnip leaves, right? So that means that you can't get something from nothing. <laughs> so I can't send you a check. Because that's what they say. Can you just write me a check? Yes. I can, I can send you a check. <laughs> is that all you need is a check? <laughs> I'm writing it right now. <laughs> just don't cash it. But you say all you need is a check. I'm sending it. <laughs> if that's all I got to do is send a check. But listen, you can call. But don't do that. Please don't do that. But just call them up and say, listen, can I make an interest payment this month? 
because I can't make the premium this month, but can I just do an interest? Can you delay my payment? See, they will respect you more if you call them first. And they will be more willing to work with you if you call them first and say, listen, I just hit some hard times. I just need a delay on this. Can you help me? Am I helping somebody? Okay, so that's how you handle bill collectors. Don't run from them because they're going to get you eventually. They're going to they gonna catch you. One day, you go out to that job, that car will be gone. I ain't lying. You talking about, I thought I just parked. Didn't I park? I thought I parked my car right here. And you see those two little wheels of that truck back there. <laughs> Took your car off, and then you call your friend. Somebody stole my car. <laughs> Knowing you lying, you know you ain't paid the bill in six months. Okay, let's go to the next one, Peril of Sword. And this, <laughs> this, is the la- this is the last one, Peril of Sword. Now, what is that one? That means that no matter uh, what, um, use a good word here, what kind of thing that's detriment to your life should not pull you away from God? Okay, let me, let me say it like this because we're living in this right now because uh, in, in the book of Timothy it says, in the last days perilous times are coming. So do you realize we're living in the last days right now? See, just, just a few months ago there were 21 Christians beheaded by ISIS. 21 Christians beheaded. There was no uproar. And now it's not even in the news. The only reason people know about it is because preachers like us keep bringing it up so that we don't forget we are in perilous times. So let me, let me say it to you like this. There is no other religion that people come against more than Christianity. Now, what if it had have been Christians to behead 21 Muslims? You will see, you will hear about that even today if it happened last year. Oh, I thought y'all were Christians. Well, I thought you guys believe in Allah. Because, see, in the Quran, that's why you need to know some things about some of the stuff that people believe. In the Quran, it says that to kill a man is like killing all of mankind. That's in the Quran. And that's what they're supposed to be believing. So these are radicalized Muslims. These are not good Muslims that that are nice, friendly people, please don't lump all of them into one barrel, just like you can't lump all Christians into one barrel. Hello. And so there are some good law-abiding, great Muslim people. I know some. But there are others who have been radicalized, just like there were some Christians who were radicalized and did evil things. History tells us this, right? So then we have to pray for those who are being beheaded. They are, these are Christian saints. Do you not realize that if we don't deal with ISIS now, that's going to happen here? See, I don't mind talking about stuff that's in the world that's going on today because I, I try to look at things from a biblical perspective. When things had to be dealt with in the Bible, God dealt with them. But he dealt with them when the people turned to him. So, when America begins to turn back to God, God will deal with ISIS. But until then, they're going to keep growing and it's going to keep coming. So now you know what you need to be praying for. You need to pray that somehow we have some leaders in this nation that understand biblical truth. I don't know how that's going to happen because the Republicans and the Democrats are all a bunch of heathens. I, I, don't, I don't mind talking about stuff that's real. Both parties 
are getting it wrong. And none of them are in my back pockets. Open your eyes, saints of God, so you can see truth. Don't get caught off guard by the veneer of what people think they're doing for you. They ain't doing nothing for you. They're padding their own pockets while they're rich going to their mansions. We're the ones broke. Don't be deceived by a pretty smile and good speeches. That speech is not going to put any more money in your pocket. Hello, somebody. Oh, yeah, y'all don't like me talking about stuff like that. So I'm closing with this. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 3.23, God says, God has made everything beautiful for his own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I wanted to share this with you, and I'm done. Just because we do go through tough times in our marriages, in our homes, in our families, with our children, on the job, it does not mean that God does not have good things for you. He, the Bible says that he has placed eternity in our hearts, that we can't even see the full scope, which means where you are right now, listen to me very close, saints. Where you are right now is just a moment in time. Don't make that one moment your eternity. Am I helping somebody? It's just a moment in time, saints. This is not what's going, what it's going to be like the rest of the time. Make sure you can go through that moment of time with God in your heart. Am I helping somebody here? Amen. So make sure that you understand that even if it's your finances, it's a moment in time. There was a moment when we, didn't have, we had zero in our accounts, all of them. But we don't have zero today. Hello? So it's just a moment in time. Somebody say it's just a moment in time. So when it slaps you in your face, you tell the devil, devil, it's just a moment in time. I'm not going to be in this situation the rest of my life. Amen? Can you believe that with me? Because, see, I'm right there right now. I'm not going to be in this situation for the rest of my life. I'm going to be in a better situation. But if you don't talk to yourself like that, then you're going to stay right where you are. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.